it all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Chief Executive Officer Dallas Hale. Dallas is CEO and founded Shell Shack about five years ago and is heavily involved in all decisions with growth and development, as well as research and designing and evolving the Shell Shack brand. His strong entrepreneurial background helps him thrive for operational excellence for all his brands and a successful reputation precedes him in the hospitality industry. He comes out of the military where he learned valuable lessons in management and has had a number of concepts very successfully in the Dallas and Houston area. Dallas Hale, welcome into the corner office. Thank you, Brent. Thanks for having me. Ah, wonderful to have you here today. And with all of our podcasts, we always like to start, uh, you know, kind of early on and understand a little bit about the early years, you know, where you grew up and what your early family life was like. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I was uh, born in Houston, Texas, raised in Plano, and uh, went through high school, normal, typical kid. I was a gymnast, uh, fighter type, and um, went uh, straight out of high school into the military, served my country. and uh, Thank you for that. Thank you. And when I got out, I was hanging out in bars quite a bit because I did join the military at a very young age. (laughs) Right, right. And didn't miss out on a lot of stuff that my friends did. And after about three months, I was like, why am I spending all my money in these bars? Why don't I just work in them? <laughs> well, that's a great, great way to think about it. Uh, let's rewind a little bit to get a little bit into the early years. Now, tell us about your parents. Any brothers and sisters at home? And, you know, what did mom and dad do? Uh, my uh, my mom was a, uh, she owned like uh, one of the biggest daycares or the biggest daycare oh. in the state of Texas. Cool. Um, and that's kind of where I grew up. Um, dad was uh, not really too much of an influence in my life. I have two older sisters that that were uh, awesome. One was a gymnast, and uh, the other one was just kind of there. And then I've got a little brother who was a star star uh, soccer player growing wow. up. Uh, played all over the world, uh, international team, and everything. Went to o- went to OU, broke the Texas state record for kicking a football, and then he followed me into the bar business. And he's one of the most sought after people for uh, live music venues. In, ah, the, cool, in the business, cool. yes. Well, gosh, lots of sports uh, involvement in the family. Who, who was the model for that? Was 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 mom a gymnast as well? Uh, no, mom was. Uh, by you know, funny story is mom was two time national couples 
roller skating uh, champion. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great! Yeah, yeah like so, the old roller derby. Is that uh, no? Like what uh, she did, or she or? was ro- uh, couples figure skating, figure roller, skating. Yes, oh, wow. roller figure skating champion. How and cool is that? That's so great. she had us all into the sports, and she figured, yeah. you know, keep us busy, keep us out of trouble. <laughs> and um, <laughs> good strategy. W- absolutely, my son. Uh, my son is also, uh, t- you know, taking it on to the uh, next generation. He's the number one ranked gymnast in the country and is That's on great. Team USA and has been, um, you know, doing his thing for since about the age he could hold his head up. Now, when did you start? You, you said you were a gymnast early on as well. I, right? I was. I was a gymnastics coach also yeah. for 20 years. What what got you into the sport? What was kind of the motivation early on? It sounds like you were. My sister was a gymnast, so okay. you know this I, is older sister, right? Yeah, the oldest yeah, sister. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so your second mom, so to speak. Uh, um, <laughs> In some no, ways, no. no I, I no? think uh, my oldest sister really hated me a lot when I was a kid uh, <laughs> because I was the baby. And right. uh, oh yeah, I've you got know, a couple of brothers with resentments that still are on. Absolutely, and and now we are extremely close. But she nice. uh, she definitely um, <laughs> did not like me because anything I did wrong, she got in trouble for. <laughs> oh goodness! So so who are some of those early influencers? Were there coaches, teachers? Who are the folks that kind of you know stir, you know kind of steered you along a little bit, provided some guidance for you? You know, I got to say, my mom uh, with her work ethic uh, was yeah. probably probably the most influential. Um, she ran the daycare. She was the brains behind everything. Mm. Um, took a daycare, bought half the building, and then ended up buying the other half of the building. Nice. Added on to it, put an indoor swim pool in it. Wow. Uh, bought all the acreage behind it, had a playground. There was literally, they were having to kick kids out of this daycare at the age of 13 because <laughs> they were having three, too much fun. They were having too much fun. <laughs> I mean, field trips every day during the summer. And, you know, they had a fleet of buses. They took, you know, parents would drop them off in the morning. They would take them to their schools, pick them up from the school. I mean, the kids that were there all, all day, you know, there were full kitchen meals, everything. So it was just a, uh, a uh, crazy place that everybody wanted to be at. That's great. And uh, she sounds so, like she was quite the business person then too. She, with you know, all the she, expansion. She still is uh, to this day. <laughs> to this day, she's in her seventies and she runs uh, North Texas soccer. So no kidding. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Were you a good student in school? Um, I could have been. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me let me answer that question. You were good at the subjects you enjoyed, right? Uh, uh, um. Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> I only say that because that's a pretty common CEO response, right? I was good at the subjects that I enjoyed, and then I was also good at the subjects that I was bored at. And uh, and, and I only say that at sixth period, I had history, and I would go into the back of the class and immediately fall asleep. <laughs> I remember one of the people, somebody said, why does he always get to come in here and go to sleep? I had a 94 grade average. It was so just easy for it, you. It was just easy for me yeah, for, yeah. for that one class. Now, of course, I had other classes that you know right. weren't, weren't as easy and I had to uh, work hard at. But um, right, right. I, I probably could have been a better student if I wanted to be. I just, you know, m- my mind was focused. A I'd little been, bored. Huh? Yeah, I was bored. I was focused on working from a very young age. And, um, you know, I, I worked full time from about the age of... Uh, 14 when I lied about my eight, hmm. uh, I forged my birth certificate so I could get a job and um, and you know work full time and then go to school and then do sports and all that so so what were those things outside of class you'd mentioned obviously you get started in gymnastics what other sports did you play uh, like through middle school high school 
Um, well, through through middle school, high school was all it was all gymnastics. It's all gymnastics. Yeah. yeah. Once I got older, I got into MMA. Okay. Got it. Great. And what was your uh, gymnastics uh, routine? Did you have a special? Um, were you doing floor? Were you doing bars? What I was, was your... all, all around. All around. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Anything else? Any sports, music, theater? I mean, other sports or music or theater or anything like that? And You know, th- there's other sports that I enjoyed a lot. Right. Um, volleyball, absolutely one of them. Um, you know, like sit fighting, absolutely one of them. Yeah. But besides that, you know, the your traditional football and stuff like that, that, that kind of bored me, you know. Um, right, right. Uh, you know, a little bit more precision. Um, that's why I like gymnastics, volleyball. Again, you just... You know, can't throw a football, run down the field. You actually got to bump, set, spike, and get after it. So, and have right. a lot of fun with right. it. So, you kind of like the science part of it as well. I mean, it was it was as much about uh, skill as it was art. Is that kind of how you thought about it? I mean, certainly gymnastics is that way, isn't it? Well, yeah, Very it's precise. about skill, it, yeah. skill, precise. Uh, you know, um, you know, you got to be your your mind's got to be right. It's it's definitely uh, you know, and it's, and it's known as the hardest, most dangerous sport in the sure. world. So right. you know, right. you definitely have to know what you're doing. Yeah, you mentioned uh, always working. What were some of the first entrepreneurial things you did as a kid? Um, first job I ever had is I sold prescription or subscriptions for the Dallas Morning News. <laughs> nice, yeah, nice. And but then from there I um and that was at a young age where I I didn't have to you know they we were allowed at eleven and twelve to do that. Right. Uh, did you but, deliver the paper as well? Or no, just, okay, I actually went door to door and sold the subscription. You know, cool. tried to got people to sign up for it. But yeah. my very first job where I actually forged my birth certificate was working at Dairy Queen. Okay. Oh, well, you had to be 16 or so, or what, Correct. what was the age? Correct. Yeah. 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 That's great. Behind the counter. Were you a big kid? Were you able to uh, convince them that, that 14 was the new 16? <laughs> Not really, but I think at that, I mean, at, at that time, 14 and 16 didn't look a whole yeah. lot different. Yeah. And you, know? you had the work ethic, I'm sure. That sure. Yeah. Cool. And, and that was uh, in high school, junior high? I guess that would have been junior high, right? Before high school or just at the edge? Just at the edge. Yeah. Yeah. And what other types of jobs did you do during high school? Um, I worked at, uh, also, you know, I did McDonald's, I did a couple fast food, and then I worked at grocery stores. And, uh, but then, you know, really, um, you know, kind of bounced around, did a couple different things, roller skating rink. Uh, but then I started, I started coaching gymnastics at 17. Oh, great. And stayed younger with that. Younger kids for, then? Yeah, younger kids. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, coaching cheerleaders. And, you know, that was always fun because they were always girl cheer- cheerleaders. So, <laughs> and, and, um, and then from there, you know, uh, you know, worked my way up to where I was a team coach, and I was uh, coaching women's gymnastics for the longest time up until uh. up to the elite level. And then when my son was born, I started coaching men's gymnastics till I got so busy that I could no longer coach anymore. Now you you'd mentioned. Uh- you, you served in the military. Thank you again for that service. Now, was that straight after high school? Was straight that out of high your school. Coaching? Okay, yeah. got it. And in which uh, branch of the service were you in and where'd you go? Uh, I was in the Coast Guard. Okay. And, and I got in the Gulf stationed. Then, or, or yeah, in, I, w- like, I was in Desert Storm and mm-hmm. I was stationed oh. also in, uh, I was stationed in California, stationed in New Jersey and did a lot of uh, TAD in Miami. Got it. How many years? Uh, five years. Five years. Five years good. active. Great. And then did you come back and do the GI program and, and do college or, or go straight to work? No, I actually did some college while I was in the military. Okay. And I went to college for phys ed okay. because I wanted to be a gymnastics coach there at a go. college yeah, or a high school. Yeah. Well, while I was in, while, while I was going to college, I realized 
you don't need a degree to work in the clubs. And all the mm-hmm. best gymnasts are not in college or high schools. They're at private clubs like my son is. So oh, okay. the Nastia Lukens and the Carly Pattersons and all these gymnasts, they don't go to, they don't do high school and college gymnastics. They do, they ah. do club gymnastics where yeah. you do not need a degree. Right. So wow. after two years, I went ahead and dropped out of college and yeah. focused on that. Got it. And w- so were you studying p- just purely phys ed classes at the time? Or? Well, I was going for a phys ed degree. Got it. Got it. Okay. Did you take some general education as well or was yes. that not part of it? Okay. Got it. Yeah. So you got kind of the requirements. So did that for a couple of years and then did you go right into coaching then after you decided that uh, you weren't going to do any more in school or you're doing coaching probably already during that time? Correct? Yeah, I was coaching already during that time. And, you know, I got my certification through. So, and to this day, I'm still national. Um, I'm still a certified nationally through USA Gymnastics and uh, still an active member where my son's my son's gym makes me stay uh, certified in case they ever need me to come out on the floor for any Step reason. In. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got it. So um, what was that full-time job then? I mean, it sounds like you kind of were working all the time, but, you know, once you were out of the military, you've kind of decided that you didn't need to, you know, finish the degree to do coaching. Were you then coaching at one of those private clubs? Is that, yes. was that the first so, full-time job? Okay. So I was, I was coaching and, and that, that again is also why I went into bartending. It's because the, the bartending aspect of it was coach, coaches do not make great money, especially say, in, yeah. in the in the beginning. Right, um, right. And it is not a job that you're going to get super rich at unless you own your own and you've you've produced uh, you know some Olympians and stuff like that. Sure. So, with that being said, you know you had to find a way to to subsidize your income and right. you know when you your love night job yeah when <laughs> you when you when you love gymnastics you find a way to do it and that's the night job yeah got it got it so that's what kind of got you into bartending and then uh working in clubs so were, were, were you doing that you know kind of full-time for both 40 hours a week 80 hours in total or pretty pretty much yeah yeah because that's a that's a hard life i mean obviously uh, and family at that time too then you said your son was born while you were coaching Oh, my son was born. Um, this was uh, way after I got into um, managing bar restaurant. My okay. son was born. I was yeah. 30, 31, okay. something like that. Got it. Got it. So so how did you transition into kind of the full-time hospitality? When, when did you kind of decide, you know, that the day job probably wasn't going to be quite as lucrative and, and decided to go full-time into the night job, which became both your day job and your night job? <laughs> I, I, well, I went into that and see, I worked, I worked nights all right. the time. Sure. And, and so I was able to actually keep coaching for a very long time. Wow, that's great. And what I did at a young age was I transitioned from bartending to management at a very there young you age, took yeah. the horrible pay, um, and <laughs> learned. <laughs> Walked away from those tips, right? Right. And, yeah. and, and yeah. which is something that, um, if I can't say enough that, that people don't do, they, they, they get used to that cash tips. That's true. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there are 50 year old bartenders that want to become managers and they're used to making $2,500, $3,000 a week. Yeah. And all they're qualified for is $800 a week manager because they don't know how to wow. manage. Yeah. Yeah. They kind and, of skipped off the tangent. Right. right? Where I, I went at a very early in my career and started managing, worked my way up to general manager, um, opened up my first club, which I bought the club I 
you know, learn how to manage that. Thought I knew everything you could possibly know about the industry. Realized I did <laughs> not know a thing about being an owner. <laughs> what do you remember the first time you started managing people? When was that, Dallas? Oh man, I get. Well, I first started managing people when I was in the military. All right. Sure. Um, so because I was a I was a petty officer, I was an E five, so I had people underneath me. Right. Um, but you know, uh, first time. I guess I was probably 16 years old, actually. I was working uh, hospitality at a uh, Holiday Inn restaurant. Oh. Yeah, in Corsicana, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And you had a staff or, or folks yeah, that you were managing? Yeah, I, I was the restaurant supervisor there, yeah. and, and cool. uh, which I don't know how I got put in that position, but <laughs> but I did. <laughs> were you actually 14 or were you technically 16 at that time? No, no. I was I was really 16 at that time. <laughs> what were, do you I think remember? almost 17. Almost 17. All right. Do you, do you remember any kind of leadership uh, lessons from that period of time? I mean, you know, it's tough. You're probably managing people that were older than you, right? And Oh, everybody was. I while. was the youngest person there. Sure, sure. So what were some of the early lessons that you you took on in those jobs? Um, you know, at that age, I didn't take on a whole lot of lessons because I was just <laughs> having so much fun, right, you know? Right. Um, and uh, everybody had been there for a while, so they knew their job very well. So there wasn't, you know, a whole lot that uh, that I really had to do at that time, except, you know, make sure everybody was there and, and, uh, do their checkouts. And, you know, if there was a problem with the table, go over and talk to them. And, um, did you, you know, have bosses at the time that you might've remembered things, uh, about how they managed you? I know, you know, for me, I kind of remember the lessons of behavior that I saw that I would never use. Right. And do you have any of those that you remembered? You don't need to mention any names. No, but, yeah. in fact, I've got to <laughs> say this, this job in Corsicana was really, I mean, I had great bosses and, um, I, I had one, um, uh, pastry chef that didn't like me uh probably because i was you know half his age and and right. i don't even know why he didn't like me because it wasn't like i was in there trying to tell him what to do i said hi every day and everything right. and right. you know i wasn't trying to be bossy or anything and i don't i mean the guy been doing it for you know 30 something years or 20 something years it wasn't something that i was trying to tell him to do and he just didn't like me for whatever reason. <laughs> had a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, something. You know, had, had, a, had a bad boss in the past. It's unfortunate you see that a lot, though. People that, you know, maybe had a bad experience when they were younger that had a bad boss, and then every boss is bad to them. Right. You know, I've seen that often, particularly in the food service industry, where, you know, we do, we do a lot of recruiting. What are, you know, some of the things that uh, you would say, particularly after, well, let's go back a little bit. Now, so evolution from, you know, you're obviously coaching, you were working at bars at night and then you became the owner what, what was that first opportunity where, where, where was that in your career that was young in my career that was two years after i got out of the military so i would have been 25 years old right and i like i said i bought this club where i was offered you know it was minimal but i had been running it and everything thought i knew everything about the <laughs> bar industry did not know anything about being an owner taxes insurance liquor licensing, liquor liabilities, getting sued, and I lost everything. Oh, wow. Wow. But it it was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Sure. How long did that last? You were 25 to what, 27 or? Uh, 25 to about 26. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that long a time. No, right? it, it was about a year. Oh, goodness. And, and then... 
And then what happened? Did you go work for someone else for a yes, while or did I you went, go back I, into I, it? Yeah. I got back. A friend of mine um, told me that, you know, they were looking for managers and I was like, uh, and, and this was in a restaurant. And I was like, I don't know how to manage a restaurant. And he goes, yeah, but you owned a nightclub. He's like, you'll be fine. And so I went in there and started learning how to manage a restaurant and then went to different places until I got a mentor and I, and, uh, I stayed at location uh-huh. and I was always hungry, wanting to learn more. And I wasn't your typical general manager. I was one that was given insurance audits and different things that normal GMs don't do. Um, and I, you know, with my mentor and right. he, he actually taught me more and more, where GMs didn't know how to do this stuff. So that's when I really started learning about liquor liability yeah. and, and you know, what happens when, you know, you get sued and different ways to handle, you know, the incident reports and making sure that we were sure. always covered and just, you know, every aspect of the business. Well, I say every aspect, I still don't know every aspect of the business. <laughs> uh, the, the day that any, um, owner, CEO, anybody th- says that they know everything, they lose. I Watch still have, out. Yeah, yeah, I, I still have out. people I call um, to this day, um, probably once a week and ask them questions. Um, you know, uh, Scott Gordon from FrontBurner is a perfect example. I call him when I have a question, you know, or I want to run something by him. And uh, that guy is so awesome. Uh, he charges me. He charges me every time. And and <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's a fair price. He goes... Um, you want to pick my brain? You got to buy me lunch. Ah, there you go. <laughs> At his choice, right? <laughs> no, no, no. He doesn't even care. He doesn't even care. Uh, he'll he'll go to he'll go to one of my restaurants every time, which I get out cheap that way. Oh, but, that's great. Yeah, that's but, great. But that is his fee, with the understanding that I will do the same one day to somebody else. Ah, that's nice. Well, you you'd mentioned mentoring, and and you know, a few minutes ago, you'd mentioned a mentor. Is that who you're referring to? Was there someone else that? Um, I've had a couple. I've yeah. had a couple, but Scott Gordon, uh, Michael Mabry from okay. uh, Muya. Um, you know, I've had I've had several. Now, are these guys that you worked with? Were they, you know, people in the industry? Because mentoring is so key, right, in terms of developing yourself. I never worked with Michael Mabry or Scott Gordon. John Berkman was uh, was definitely one that um, uh, taught me a lot. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just hard hard work. And did you, you know, reach out to these guys because you respected them and just say, "Hey, can I pick your brain a bit?" Or how how did you get the mentoring started? I guess is what I'm looking for. Um, the with, uh, let's see, Michael Mabry, I met through a mutual, Michael Mabry and Scott Cord, I met them both through mutual friends. Okay. And uh, they were just super nice guys. They didn't have to, you know, um, give me the time of day, and they did. Right. And, it, you know, and to this day, I'm still friends with them, and I still reach out to them all the time. Nice. And, um, you know, I support any new concepts they do, and they do the same for me. If you don't ask, the answer is no. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, Absolutely. That's just a great way to be out there. So, so you're you're obviously CEO and founder of Shell Shack. Give us a little bit of an advanced time frame from you know the 25 to 26 period owning the nightclub, going back and managing. When did you decide to go back out and own again? Was it was it with Shell Shack or was there something before? No, no. Um, we've had several different concepts. Okay. Um, uh, we've had uh, Latina concepts. We've had uh, sports bars, um, different different concepts. And Shell Shack came about uh, when I went to a place of similar concept 
that I was like, wow, this is really good, but they are doing everything wrong here. Mm. And this is where, this is the downfall of going to a restaurant or a bar with me. I pick it apart every time. And I, right, I hate, right. I hate that because <laughs> I just see it and I'm like, oh my God. And it, it just really bothers me. And so we took this concept and basically improved everything we possibly could with mm. it and opened up our own. And really, it's really just uh, taken off. Yeah, cool. And um, uh, tell us a little bit about the concept, you know, wh wh what it is. And, you know, for those of us that uh, are listening or a lot of those of our audience are listening that may not be in your region. Well, it is a Texas Bowl, and we hope we will be in the region one day because we are expanding throughout the United States right now at a very uh, expedited uh, rate right now. But um, the the Shell Shack concept is a Texas Boil, um, and I say Texas Bowl because sometimes people, they try to compare us to a Cajun restaurant, and we are not a Cajun restaurant. And um, what we do is we take our crab and or crawfish shrimp we have a limited menu for a reason because we wanted to really focus on um a limited menu and still instead of a eight page menu getting that food right right yeah. Yeah. and um we take it and we put it in a wet marinade mm. and it comes out and you put it on butcher block paper and go to town roll your sleeves up and mm. you know just really uh Get you'll you'll get elbows deep. Don't ever wear a white shirt to my restaurant. I promise <laughs> you. Give you. me a bib if I show up. Uh, we we absolutely should. We we give you bibs. They are customized shell shack bibs, and nice. um, you can get gloves if you want. Or um, and we have a hand wash station that is. Uh, we we call it our fam a world famous hand wash station because if you read some of the reviews. They will go on and on about this hand wash station. It's the funniest <laughs> thing. I love it. And and how many stores today? I think we're opening up our seventh corporate and we have two Great. franchise and the third and fourth franchise are about to start being built. Uh, Oklahoma has been locked in. Um, I think Atlanta has been locked in. So nice. um, Houston, they will put a total of 10 stores there. We sold Houston. Um, Austin is locked in. So yeah, we're going, going strong. Good deal. Uh, and is and your fact, expansion Florida, plan? Go ahead, sorry. Florida, I've got, um, three locations that we just bought there. So yeah, Florida's locked in also. Nice. So are you doing kind of a dual track corporate and franchise growth approach or, or will you go all franchise or kind of see how things go? Yeah, we're doing a corporate and franchise uh, uh, along with our sushi concept, um, which I don't even know if you knew about that, that we have a sushi concept. You that mentioned is, that when we spoke the other day. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. But that's a separate store, right? Or that's separate, a separate store, yeah, but yeah. that's also one that we are growing at a at a huge rate. Nice. And how many how many units do you have of those? How many we are at, at our first one. First one with, with that, which it's in um, the Dallas Cowboys training facility. The big, you know, the star that's been all over the oh, news, yeah. all over the world. The most plush, you know, training facility for the Dallas Cowboys and and or for any NFL team. And that's where we put our first uh, sushi restaurant. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, that's great. And and the pro plan is to bo do both corporate and franchise on that as well. Uh. Actually, I think I'm going to keep that one more uh, corporate. More corporate. Yeah, good, good, great. And how many employees today? Well over 500. Yeah, great. And then you have, you've got like a regional structure, right? Where you've Correct. got district managers and then you've got a corporate office as well there. Yeah, we got corporate office, which is, um, you know, where we outgrew it. Let's see, we came to this, this exact corporate office a year and a half ago. Right. Outgrew it. 
had to lease the corporate off uh, the office right next to us and cut a hallway through it. <laughs> now we we've just about outgrown this and we're about to uh, buy our own building and uh, with test kitchen and the whole works here very quickly. Congratulations. And and how many um, of those folks directly report to you? Do you have kind of like a standard organizational structure, marketing, sales, franchising, et cetera, or is it a much more flat type of an organization? Well, you know, the one thing I always said I'd never wanted to do was go corporate. Mm, And then after opening several locations, realized I didn't have a choice. Right, right. So, um, that that's been a struggle getting people to go through their chain of command when they've always been used to just going to me. Sure, but but right. we have now reached it where, you know, my right hand, um, which is my DM bill, um, he is, you know, everybody goes through him and he, he comes directly to me or they go to my assistant, which is, uh, I wouldn't, I would absolutely go nuts without and that Shelby. Uh, she, <laughs> she keeps me on track. I think she was getting help you getting set up today too. I think I heard her in the background. <laughs> uh, Shelby and well, and then there's Ariana and Ariana handle, as well. Of course, yeah, she yeah. handles all the PR, which I would go absolutely nuts without her. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know how I survived without either one of those two. I'll pick uh, good and, people and, is in my early years. Thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, but the, we still keep a couple things, mom and pop, and and that's mm-hmm. the food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, you're constantly looking for the best crab, the best shrimp, um, because it does change throughout the year or the quantities change. And you have to, you know, just because you have this one shrimp, that shrimp's not always going to be available. The quotas get changed and, you know, you've got to change over to a different shrimp. So that's the one thing we stay mom and pop on is when somebody sends us in something that they want us to try. I get all my senior management. I said, okay, whoever wants to try this, be at the Plano location at 3.30 today, and we'll just cook it all up and yeah. get everybody's vote on it. And you That's know, great. It's, it's So you, either, you you buy from all over the country, I presume, right? Absolutely. We yeah. buy from, yeah. uh, you know, we get our crab out of the Bering Sea. Right. And uh, we get our shrimp from all over. Yeah. Uh, our oysters are from the Gulf. So um, crawfish is from Louisiana, catfish from right. uh, Mississippi. So- you're making me hungry, Dallas. It's, it, <laughs> I'm going to have to get good. down to a shell shack it, soon. It's, it's good food. It's good food. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Let's talk a little bit about your leadership style. You know, from the days of, you know, 16, 17, 14, whatever you were with, you know, managing people that were probably twice, if not three times your age to to today. What, what do you say are some of the things that's changed, you know, in terms of your approach with people? Oh, my Lord. So I can tell you honestly, and I, w- I want to say any manager, owner who's ever not said this, I- I'm going to call him a liar. Hmm. It goes to your head a little bit. It does. They, yeah. you know, you you own a place, you manage a place, you're general manager. Um, you've got these people answering to you. You kind of king of your own kingdom. Huh? Y- exactly. Yeah. And then especially yeah. when you're doing really good. And I got, when I was general manager, I got nominated for general manager of the year. And that was five people in the country and I didn't win, but to be nominated was a huge ordeal uh, for me. So you kind of start believing, you know, what everybody says, you know, (laughs) everything's so good and you kind of pound on your own chest and that is the worst thing that could possibly happen. Um, So I, I feel that I was lucky enough to uh um to learn from that i you know you you start running great numbers and you're you're like you start believing in yourself and you're like you know nothing can stop us well absolutely something can stop you you know right. 2008 the recession slowed yeah. everybody down That's and right. and um you know uh 
where we were only, there was only two concepts like us in DFW. Now there's 22 copycats, mm. um, which we, we, uh, we will take credit for being the best, but every time a copycat opens, you know, they open and close, they might take a, you know, one or 2% of your customer sure. base for a little bit. Right. So right. you've constantly got to be doing the best job you can. And the one thing, um, I can say more than anything is listen to your staff. Um, mm. They, they, you know, just because you're the CEO or the boss or the owner doesn't mean you know everything. And I, right. I said earlier um, that when you think you know everything, that's when you lose. Game over. I, yeah. yeah. Right. I, I right. can tell you my first franchisee, I love telling this story because it's uh, such a great story. My first franchisee, the operator for Houston was going through the training program and he's got you know, almost as much experience as I do. Hmm. Uh, but I'll give him as cre credit as I might have more years, but he probably has just as much experience. Um, he came to me after he went through 90 days of training and he sat across the, from my desk and he said, Hey Dallas, I know it's your company, but a couple of things I noticed and I go, what's that? And he goes, well, he says, your tomatoes, you put two tomatoes on your burgers and your Buffalo chicken sandwich. And I go, okay. Yeah. And he goes, so when you start eating from one side, you get one tomato. But when you get to the middle, you're like getting double tomato. <laughs> I said, yeah, okay. And he goes, well, that kind of changes the flavor of your burger or your chicken sandwich or, you hmm. know. I was like, okay. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, you know, for the exact same price, you can get a little bit bigger tomato that will cover your whole sandwich. And you only have to put one tomato on. It's the same cost. Um, you're not losing anything. And he's like, you're actually gaining because you're not putting two slices mm. of tomato on. And I sat there and I looked at him. And I said, Larry, give me one second. Picked up the phone, <laughs> called my DM. I said, tell everybody to go through all their tomatoes and do not order again. Go to the next tomato up and let's go to one slice. And, and that is the wow. mom and pop way of... Yeah, right. I don't go through a big test of, sure. you know, market research. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. And yeah. I pick up a phone and call and say, let's do it. I love the fact that he led with taste and not cost. Because I thought you were going to say cost, but he didn't, right? He talked about the flavor part of it. And that shows obviously where his heart is, which is, you know, it's the customer at the end of the day. That's a great story. Thank you and, for sharing and you, that, you know, I, I love that story. And yeah. I have many more. You know, I've had managers that have come to me with ideas on, you know, crab bags and this and that. And, you know, it's, I, I will listen to every, everybody's um, idea. And, you know, a lot of them won't make it. And, and, and I have no, I, I have no problem explaining why, whether it's we've already tried it or right. did you right. think of this or did you think of that? But, but you're open to it. Yeah. I am always yeah. open to it because, um, I can promise you there are m people that are much smarter than me out there. <laughs> and I did not get where I am by thinking that I know it all. There might've been a time I thought I knew it all and I realized I didn't. <laughs> right. You did that early on. Yeah. I love it. We talked a lot about the importance of people, whether they're franchisees, customers, or employees. What, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in? You know, new employees, franchisees, et cetera. I'm looking for people who are not yes men. Mm. I'm looking for people who are here for the long term. I've got one girl that has been with me through all my concepts and has been with me for 15 years. Nice. Um, my DM has been with me from the very beginning for Shell Shack and was actually with me 
at one of my other concepts and left me for an opportunity to go to Brinker. And uh, he actually learned a lot for, from Brinker. And when mm. I opened up Shellshack, I called him up and I said, hey, Bill, you ready to come home? And he goes, <laughs> yeah, boss, I am. And uh, two weeks later, he was back uh, with me. And, um, you know, we're, we're uh, him and I, we, we talk probably 10 times a day. That's great. And uh, he's not afraid to tell me he doesn't agree with something. And uh, I, I will listen to him every time. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's what I need for this company. You know, yeah. he goes, well, Dallas, I don't necessarily agree with you. Well, Bill, tell me why you don't agree with mm. me. Well, I don't agree with you because of this. Well, Bill, did you think of this? Well, actually, no, I didn't. And, and he'll, t he'll do the same back with me. Well, Dallas, did you think of this? Uh, actually, I didn't think of that. <laughs> and, and that's what you need. You got to have people that aren't afraid to come to you with their ideas. And, um, and you got to be able to listen because you can't do it all. Can't do it all. Well, Dallas Hale, you've been very generous with your time. We do have one last question we ask all our CEOs. And, you know, what kind of career and life advice would you give to someone who, you know, has their eyes on their own corner office or specifically wants to be an entrepreneur like you and, you know, find their own concept or their own company? What's, what's the most important? Give up sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, my, my, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be a CEO, if you want to um, really not have somebody to, that you answer to, then you need to go and get after it mm -hmm. and forget about everything else. You got to forget about going out and partying and you've got to forget about, um, you know, a lot of things. But you also got to realize a lot of things that you're going to give up. And a lot of people aren't prepared to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, the 60, 70, 80 hours a week, the, I haven't been on vacation in over 15 years that my cell phone is not attached to my hip at all times. So, you know, you got to be prepared and, and there will come a day that my cell phone won't be attached to my hip, but it's not for another five years. I can guarantee that. And, and you're joining life. It's the journey, right? It, it's, yeah, it's the journey, the but you know, trust yeah. me, I would love to be able to go, go away for a week and not have my phone with me. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But unfortunately, this is not the time. And yeah. one day that time will come and uh, I will be happy with it. But if you're ready to make that commitment and be get committed. after it, yeah. you have to be committed, get that work ethic, 80 hours a week. That is a minimum. That's a minimum to work. Well, Dallas, best of luck on the expansion uh, nationally and eventually globally with, with Shell Shack. And Absolutely. What, what was the name of the sushi concept? Can you share that with us? Sushi well? Marquee. Sushi Marquee. Okay. It is a great sushi concept. <laughs> it is nothing like you've ever seen before. Fantastic. And uh, we are expanding that one also. Um, uh, that that one is a lot of fun. I, I want to take full credit for that idea, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, my business partner, Brad Hawkins, uh, and he'll probably kill me for this, but, uh, he's very well known as he was, he was, uh, a mighty Morphin Power Ranger. Oh, got and, it. Uh, yes. And, um, it was his idea. He came to me, him and I have been the best friends for 25 years, came to me one day and said, I got an idea and Sushi Marquis was born. That's fantastic. Well, Dallas, best of luck moving forward. And thank you so much for sharing your CEO journey today. You bet. 
Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 